Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include high balance conforming conventional loans, my interview with Candor's Sarah Nokel on creating the first loan quality services underwriting engine, and it's quiet out there, rate-wise. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus an Encino company and award-winning developer of mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. To learn more, visit simplenexus.com. I'm occasionally asked about high balance conforming conventional loans and why so much of the country doesn't care about them, to be somewhat blunt. The MBA put out a fine map showing high-cost areas defined by FHFA's areas in which 115% of the local median home value exceeds the baseline conforming loan limit. The loan limits are permitted to be higher than the baseline loan limit until a ceiling of 150% of the baseline limit is reached. That said, remember that 20-25% to of the nation's home loans come from California. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show, Candor's Sarah Nokel. Candor's developed the first loan quality services or LQS underwriting engine, which increases efficiencies for mortgage lenders in a tight market. Let's ask her about it. Today, I wanted to talk to you about loan quality services from Candor or LQS, as you're calling it. Mm-hmm. It's all about controlling the quality of one's loans at any milestone. Can you give us a little more background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, As you know, Candor Technology um, had already released back in 2020 what we call the loan engineering system. And um, one of the wonderful inventions in that technology was something we call Cognitech. And that is the ability to do an automated underwrite with the critical thinking of an underwriter in the machine. And what we have now been able to do is take that ability, the automated underwrite, and use it in a lot of other scenarios, not just the fulfillment portion of making the loan. And so now what we're doing is we're applying it to both um, pre-fund QA and post-close QC. Every vendor out there talks about saving time and saving money for their clients. Can you give me some practical use case scenarios for, for what you're doing here at Candor? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, And I'll talk about both in the QA instance and the QC. So a common challenge in QA is uh, once a loan gets selected to go through pre-fund QA, um, anything that gets uncovered in that process could potentially affect the closing date. And typically, this QA is being performed after the loan has been given its clear-to-close status and the, the borrower has been notified that they are getting their loan and their closing date has been set. So if anything goes wrong at that point, it's extremely detrimental. Um, It could definitely um, upset a borrower, um, give a a bad um, perception of a particular lender. Um, And it also, it kind of forces the lender to do the QA as quickly as possible, which means they may not get to do as thorough of a job as they would like to. And um, they may still have a a problem with the loan, even though it's gone through QA, because they had um, such a limited amount of time to actually look at it. So that's one of the use cases and the challenges um, that's happening there. And um, Candor's automated underwrite in its LQS services would um, help tremendously there. It's not only fast, it's exceptionally thorough. Uh, The other scenario, when you're dealing with post-close, 
It's a regulatory requirement. All lenders have to um, select at least 10% of all of their loans for QC. And some of the challenges that happen there, um, they almost always have a backlog. It's a very labor-intensive activity. Um, You have, I want to say, you have 30 days to select the loans and and get them um, started for QC, and then another 30 days to submit the results to most investors. Um, And they're almost always um, cut very close. When it takes that long to get through QC, you start to eat into the profitability of the loan because the window for when you can securitize the loan becomes affected. So if you're trying to, um, you know, uh, catch a securitization window where the coupon um, or the rate is not too far off from the coupon, you may miss it because of QC. So with QA, you could upset the borrower and um, use le- lose reputability. On QC, you could erode your profitability and miss your securitization windows. Let's talk about QA a little more. When it comes to detect, when it comes to defect monitoring, this QA can be run parallel to fulfillment. Can you talk a little bit about that and then the the benefits there when it comes to defect defect monitoring? Absolutely, it could be. So um, typically the team that is doing QA is not the same team as the fulfillment team. So it um, it would really be in their best interest if they could get a jump start on their work instead of being forced to wait until that last you know 24 hour window uh, before the loan closes. And so as the fulfillment team finishes different aspects of the loan, such as you know they've finished analyzing the income or the assets, they could run our service. And it would check out those pieces and they would be able to know um, if they were okay um, on these different parts of the underwrite or if there was a little work that had to be done. It also would mean that um, any issues that were found were being found while the borrower was still in a state of working with the lender to get their loan. So a request for another document would not really be upsetting at that point. And people think of QA and QC as something that could could make them incur a cost. But I, I would also add that it's detrimental to loan closing and profitability. Can you talk about how Candor's automation is, is helping alleviate this problem? Absolutely. So there's a couple of things to look at. It's, um, it is expensive. Manual QA and QC is expensive. Um, so automation obviously is going to help with that and the speed will help with that. Um, the cost that is often not noticed is the cost of a repurchase later on or a, a claim from an investor if you're not dealing with conventional. Um, so that's another cost that the lender has to bear. It's just not obvious from the making of the loan because it occurs later. The other thing is that your quality rating with an investor can affect the the pricing that they offer you when you sell them your loans, or even whether or not they will accept certain loans from you. So um, having more control over that quality rating is very important. The other thing that happens, um, because so, so often there is that QC backlog and you're behind, it means that when you do identify a problem in your process, maybe you have a chronic issue, it means it's been there for months and you haven't been able to fix it because you didn't know about it. Um, and so now when you're learning about it, you probably have several more months of loans that have that same problem because you're just now getting to it. So it's it's so much better to know about your problems earlier and to do your process improvement as soon as possible instead of, you know, a quarter or six months late, because um, that also will affect your quality rating uh, with investors. 
So it's just that level of control um, that wasn't available before. The LQS addresses a lot of concerns, uh, you know, QA's impact to fallout or, or impact on loan profitability, leakage. So, I mean, Candor started as this, this machine learning underwriting system. Is the goal for it to to branch out into to other aspects of the, the mortgage process? Where Where is it headed with this? Ah, yes. So I would say, um, first, I look at what our core competencies are. What Candor's core competency, or at least the first one that it developed, was um, putting the critical thinking of an underwriter into a machine um, and making sure that uh, it could perform an underwrite consistency consistently to a high level of quality and very quickly and at scale. That is one of our core competencies today. Now, that talent is not only usable in fulfillment, it is really usable anywhere an underwrite has to take place. And there are a lot of places that that happens. Um, Of course, during the making of the loan, it happens there. It happens in quality control. It happens in due diligence when portfolios are bought and sold. It happens in servicing um, when MSRs are transferred. So it happens in a lot of places. And so what we would like to do at Candor is take this consistent, high-quality, fast underwrite and offer it up for use in all these different scenarios where it would be helpful. So that's one of the things. Um, The other core competency that Candor has is the collection of the data that it sees. Because it's a machine doing the underwrite, it sees data that is never captured anywhere else, Um, even with all the technology that's out there. It's data that's not captured. Um, Since we have that capability, we can now use this data to um, perform optimization across all these different processes. And to, um, I think one of our goals is to be able to manufacture a loan to a certain specification in terms of the amount of time it takes and the cost that it takes. And that's all predictive analytics, and that's all going to be driven off of the data that we're collecting. Is it as simple as saying to your clients, hey, this is $75 a loan file. Here's here's the savings that our other clients can get. How are, how are people uh, becoming believers of what Candor is doing here? Well, for one thing, the, the $75 does seem to resonate um, given the cost um, to QC a file today. And um, Candor's LQS per- covers about 60 to 70% of the typical QC checklist. So to have that portion automated for $75 is exceptionally helpful. Um, so we're getting positive um, response there. We're also getting a really positive response around all the data that's captured and the visibility. The fact that we can show and aggregate all of the loans that went through the system and tell you how many of them had a defect, how many didn't, um, what the nature of the defects were, you know, are they coming from missing documents, um, incorrect data on the application, a failed guideline requirement. Um, We can show them all that and create reporting on that. And that is also tremendously helpful. Now let's talk about some other benefits of LQS. One of them is gaining repurchase defense. And I think that could really appeal to some companies, especially in this type of market. Uh, can you talk to us about the, the repurchase defense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, as volumes drop, you really can't afford to have any repurchases because they're just going to further eat into your profits. Um, so quality becomes even more of a concern. Um 
the great thing is, as I mentioned earlier, because we have a machine doing the underwrite and it sees all of the data and captures it, if you get a claim, Candor is able to pull this report that shows the due diligence that was done on the loan and it proves that things were handled appropriately. I want to say the figures I've heard around the cost of repurchase defense um, is something like around $300 alone um, in terms of the, the labor required to go back and look at it again and, and defend yourself. And so here you get that data automatically when you have um, Candor's LQS. And for those interested in scheduling a demo or learning more about this, what are the best next steps? Uh, well, Robbie, the best thing for them to do is to follow the URL in your email or in the podcast description. Cool. Sarah, thank you for making the time and, and uh, talking to me today. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, Robbie. Last week was full of significant economic data releases, but Fed Chairman Powell's speech on Wednesday was the primary market mover. He hinted it might be time to reduce the magnitude of rate raises from 75 basis points to 50 basis points. This comes as inflationary data that, despite being very elevated, hasn't been getting worse. Manufacturing data suggests that input costs are finally declining, which is in contrast to employment data that remains strong and wage data that is still contributing to inflation. Looking specifically at the news Friday morning, November's 263,000 new monthly jobs are lower than earlier in the recovery, but are still strong by recent historical standards. Over the last three months, job gains have averaged 272,000, while during the prior recovery following the Great Recession, job gains averaged 190,000 per month. Job openings have been moderating as well since earlier in the year. However, there are still 1.71 jobs available for each job seeker. Recent monetary tightening has, to this point, had minimal impact on labor markets, which show continued demand for workers. This suggests that the economy is resilient and can handle more rate hikes and restrictive policy for longer. When wage growth does not remain below the pace of inflation, that means that households will have an increasingly difficult time managing higher costs. This week's calendar includes updates on non-manufacturing PMIs with PPI, Michigan sentiment, and wholesale inventories on Friday. The Fed is in blackout ahead of next week's FOMC events, while the RBA and BOC will be out with their latest monetary policy decisions tomorrow and Thursday, respectively. Regarding MBS, November agency prepayments will be released after tomorrow's close and Class A 48 hours on Friday. Today's calendar kicks off with a lot of non-market moving data, S&P Global Services PMI, which will be followed by November employment trends, ISM non-manufacturing PMI for November, and October factory orders. We begin the week with agency MBS prices roughly unchanged from Friday and the 10-year yielding 3.51% after closing last week at that level, despite the strong employment data. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. With about four weeks until the college football playoffs and eight weeks until the Super Bowl, let's have some clever football quotes. Ohio State's Urban Meyer on one of his players, quote, he doesn't know the meaning of the word fear. In fact, I just saw his grades and he doesn't know the meaning of a lot of words. <laughs> How about this one from John Heisman, the first football coach at Rice? Quote, gentlemen, it's better to have died a small boy than to fumble the football. End quote. And finally, from the great Bear Bryant of Alabama, I make my practices real hard because if a player is a quitter, I want him to quit in practice, not in a game. You know, only one of three of those quotes was funny, and it was from the 
60-year-old man who likes lap dances from college co-eds. Anyway. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, an Encino company and award-winning developer of mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. To learn more, visit simplenexus.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.